We here at Sports Best Friends acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land, water and sky throughout Australia on which we record. We recognise their strength, diversity, resilience and deep connection to country. We pay our respects to Elders of the past, present and future as they hold the memories, knowledge and spirit of Australia. Hello and welcome to Sports Best Friends NRL Adoro, a rugby league podcast. This season is Mangiare Coniglio Due Volte. It will be unbelievable and I think it, it probably will be a dream that we're chasing and um, I just hope we go good. I'm Big T Views of my own. I'm recording these views on the Ruben Wiki hotline with everyone's new best friend, OD. How are you, sir? Doing very well, mate. Getting through, living day to day and uh, trying to kick goals wherever I can. Uh, and and you've just swallowed a uh, life hack book or something like that. It's just doing the one-liners through and through. Did you end up watching Batman? I did. It took uh, about three or four sittings. Yeah. Um, uh, and we had a 48-hour window where we'd rented it. So added a bit of pressure. <laughs> Time limit. Uh, as you know, um, you know, trying to watch a whole movie with, with a young one is very yeah. difficult. So, uh, but we got through it in the end, just finished it about 10 minutes ago. Congratulations. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, mate, I'm pretty into it. I thought that was pretty good. A good reimagining of Batman and not too much um, in common with previous uh, Batman movies. So something a little bit different. Enjoyed it. Are you a big Batman kind of person? Yeah, I'm a bit of a dweeb. Like I've, right. I've read comics when I was a kid. And as a teenager and as an adult. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Just a big nerd. So, yeah, if it, I'm not someone who will watch every single Marvel movie that comes out, but if, if one looks good, I'm definitely going to be all over it. Right. Uh, this weekend I went to Tasmania, would you believe, which was fantastic. I would highly recommend in the times that you're not watching um, Marvel or DC movies that you get down um, to Tasmania. And... Uh, Ex-host of the podcast, The Doctor, he was, I went and saw him and his partner. They have a great dog as well who babysat our um, toddler the whole time. So I appreciate that. Shout out to you, Wesley. Um, but I wanted to give them a quick shout out because um, not just because their house is amazing, the super hospital are great humans, um, but also because the Swans played in Tasmania today. They drove over to Longceston and watched the game against Hawthorne. They were getting absolutely pumped and the Swans came back from 70 points to win for The Doctor. So that would have been huge for him to be sitting in that that crowd and, and a, they don't get a huge amount of sport down there and they don't get a huge amount of AFL, even they're a big AFL state. So um, that would have been electric for him and for anyone in that ground. So congratulations to them. Does Tassie have a team in the AFL? Not yet. So this is the inside mail I got while I was down there. The state government, <laughs> the state government. I mean, when I say inside mail, I'm sure you could just Google this, but um, <laughs> for me, any AFL knowledge that I've retained has got to be, you know, pretty fucking precious. Um so the state government's looking to do it. They've been, they're building a stadium for it because there's obviously Bell Reaver or whatever the cricket oval is down there, but they're doing a, a specific AFL oval to try and get one down there. Hawthorne's sponsored by Tasmanian Tourism. So they have the word Tasmania on their jerseys, um, which I know from when the Swans beat them in a grand final. 
So they're definitely <laughs> angling. They're definitely angling to get one, and they're in. The, they're going the right way. And with people turning up and and shit like that, I'm sure that helps. Be better if they. How good is Tassie? So good. Oh I, man, I've never I've, been, I've only been once. Eye opening because all you ever hear is about inbreeding and people bagging it, but then you get down there and it's the most beautiful part of Australia. There's just so much um, natural beauty, and yep. then also just a great sort of food and drink scene. And the Mona, did you get get yeah. to the Mona? Yeah, I mean, I also didn't take my sister or any of my cousins, so there was no chance of me having sex with them. So that was that part of Tasmania <laughs> was one to one side. But we did catch. We caught the ferry out there. Had a beer on the ferry on the way out there. Uh, Littlest was loving it. Went to the museum. It was it was wild. It was a real time. I really enjoyed it. The whole thing, the whole place, as you said, food's great. Everywhere you look, there's a mountain or a river. Um, it was amazing. I mean, we we got off the airport. We drove to the top of a mountain real quick because we could, and it fucking snowed on us while we're up there. And I was still in shirts and a t-shirt because I just got off the plane from Sydney where it was 25 degrees. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in a, on a mountain in snow. It was magical, mate. That's the only way I could. Surreal. Uh, yeah. And uh, the fact that the Tigers won by one point while I was there just made the whole place even more magical. If anybody watched a series of rugby league games, they'd never go back to watching Union or AFL or soccer. Your Mighty West Tigers versus Feet fans. Let's first talk about the Rabbits. At Tom A18, or it's probably Tom Hay, he did a screenshot of the errors, which was 3-15 to 15 at his screenshot uh, to you. He wrote, what a dumb team. And at Don Sunday, uh, who is also a Rabbits fan, wrote, shambolic scenes. What a great term, shambolic scenes. Incredible. Uh, talk me through the team. Talk um, me through South, I mean. Talk me through South. Yeah, super disappointing. Um, for I think in that one game, we went, like, we went from, I'm assuming, somewhere sort of middle of the table um, in the NRL for errors to outright leader by a fair way. Like that was just a horrible effort uh, in terms of polish. Um, and I think it looked like they were playing under pressure the whole game when, you know, like I typically would have thought any team playing the Tigers shouldn't be feeling too much pressure, um, you know, because that, that pressure is is usually generated, you know, by the media and stuff, and it would be firmly on the Tigers. Mm. Uh, but obviously they got the monkey off the back against Parra and um, have playing good footy. Uh, and I think South sort of, I don't know whether they took them lightly, but I think um, there just was a, a lack of, um, yeah, a lack of refinement at the end of sets, which, or even in the middle of sets, <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty shambolic to, uh, to take. <laughs> the Don Sunday's uh, fabulous word. Yeah, I was surprised because they, unlike the, um, sorry, just like the the Paramatasala game, I did feel like we were playing really well, but eventually that other team would do what they do and overtake us. And so I was really surprised that South just kept making the mistake. And to be fair, there were a lot of 50-50 calls. And we saw in the week or last week that there was this thing about the, um, the better team gets more of the 50-50 calls. But I felt like, we got a lot of 50-50 calls in that game uh, and was was excited to see, but was very happy to go like, oh, that's a knock-on. Oh, there's a penalty. Wow, I can't believe we got that one. And so at DRob777, he tweeted, as horrible of a game as he had, that was a terrific call by Ziggy to pick up on that late charge down offside. Ziggy, I can't, remember, I can't pronounce his last name, but he's talking about the referee there, who I don't think had a terrible game, but he's still, he's still very fresh. So I still think he's making a lot of very quick decisions, maybe not listening to his touch judges 
or giving himself a breath to hear touch judges advice before he makes calls. Um, but that one about the, the charge down, it was phenomenal because he picked that um, immediately. Uh, or I think is it cookie does an incredible charge down attempt. And then it might be dry arrows or a, se- a second row like that just happens to touch it accidentally. Um, which means instead of it being a South runaway try, which is it looked like, because Luke tries to pick the ball up and drops it, but it ends up being our um, penalty, which is just incredible. So lucky. And yeah, as as D Rob said, like that's an incredible call in the heat mm. of the moment at such a pivotal part of the game. Pivotal. And yeah. Ziggy's, Ziggy's got the guts to just do that, um, yeah. and you know, and it's paid off this time. And like we said, when he disallowed, oh sorry, didn't even check that. Luciano right. try against the Warriors. Uh, I think, you know, if he'd gotten it right, everyone would have just been up in arms about, you know, how great this ref is. He's just going with his gut and making all these incredible calls. And this was this was one that he got right. Um, and, you know, you, you like to see it even if you're on the receiving end, if when a ref just backs themselves and, and just, you know, it must be such an incredible feeling to have the eyes of an eagle uh, and just be watching five things happen at once and pick up this minute little action or, or glancing touch. Um, you know, he would have been feeling pretty good about that one, I'm sure, Ziggy. The, it's that, it's that, it's like dead set vibes. Like you're just watching and then you just would, he'd almost be like half hearing himself, not even think, just being like, that's an accidental offside team are coming back for it. And he'd be like, it, like he doesn't have time to stop every single play and go, what have I just seen? What have I just seen? You know what I mean? It's almost like players, eyes up football. Like they're just honestly going half the time by instinct. And the reason why they're there is because their instinct's almost always right. However, at speaking of instinct where it didn't work, at Nat underscore Sinclair 93, she's tweeted, Jai Arrow, ha, 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 I'm crying. Now, Jai Arrow has has had a big spell in Union. He, he's one of those, you know, he's, he's a footballer. He's just an athlete, you know, that kind of thing. I would back him usually. He probably can kick a thousand drop goals in training. You'd have the, he has a body type and, and the kind of upbringing that would have, you know, made him the, the kind of guy who'd be able to kick those or feel like he could kick them. Cookie after the game, though, was just like, that wasn't Jai's fault. That was our team's fault. How on earth we let that guy in that situation to feel like he needed to do that was our fault, which I loved Cookie doing. How were you? Such I mean, a great I, speaker. Yeah. I fucking died, though, when he did try and kick it and fucked it. I was just like, this is the best. Like, you really, by then I felt like, holy shit, we're going to win Southall cooked. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? It was right at the end of the game. Jaya is the sort of player who makes 30 plus tackles every game, 20 odd runs. Like, you know, he works himself to a standstill. And Cookie's exactly right. The fact the ball got to him is our failure. It wasn't a failure of a kick. It was a failure of a, of a set, a failure of a play. I feel bad for him because, yeah, yeah, he must yeah. have felt that pressure. Um, he probably should have just run it. I think there was, it was like a three on two or a three yeah. on three. You back yourself to like suck in a defender and get an arm free maybe. Um, but yeah, I felt bad for Jaya. Um, but I mean, South, the way they played and, and the lack of respect they showed for the ball, I don't think they deserve to even really be in a position to win against a team like the Tigers who did play their hearts out, um, kept turning up for each other. Um, I, you know, I all respect to the Tigers. You got any other notes on Souths? Uh, this one's not specifically about Souths, but early in the game, uh, Jimmy Tamo got done for a head high on, I believe, Cam Murray. Uh, and his fingertips literally brushed oh, yeah. Cam Murray's head. And it was like down at his ankles. They were both sort of falling on the ground, but the rest like 
just had to cop it and say, look, it's contact with the head. It is what it is. I've got to send it. You're copying the penalty. And it just made me wonder if there's, should it just be that blanket rule? You know, if a, a, any part of a tackling player contacts the head, that's it, penalty done? Or do you think there's room for sort of ref judgment? Um, but then does that open up a whole other can of worms? I just thought it was a, a really tough penalty. And, you know, in the scheme of the game, it didn't end up, you know, changing too much. But I definitely can foresee a time when it, you know, changes a, a game in the future drastically. But the rule isn't any time it touches the head. It's just if your initial contact is with the head. So heaps of times you see a tackle start and then halfway through or towards the end, the guy's all over the guy's head and neck. And so people are like, oh, it's high, it's high. but because he starts low and he's in the wrestle's got high, it's not a problem. And so in that one, unfortunately for James and, and, um, and Cameron, the, he's, he's swinging his arm to make a normal tackle. And unfortunately, as you said, like his hand or his, the, you know, absolutely nothing hits his head, but because it's his initial contact, Ziggy's, you know, just doing the whole blanket. Look, man, I understand this is a stitch-up, but this one bad call saves me from making 15 other 50-50 calls. So let's just, you know, move yeah. off this so that we can get through it. And <clears throat> we're, still in a, we're still in that stage of trying to deal with that cultural change. And I think at the moment, after the Magic Round, where it was really weird, I think since then it's actually been kind of good and it makes us look a lot more caring. Like any time you hit a guy, first of all, in the head, we stop the game, make sure the bloke's okay, and we just give that team another set I don't think that's as big a deal uh, really no and it's a good perspective and I don't think players play for it either they play a lot of time for crushes like you can go into a tackle mm. turn around and then you know lay down hold your neck but um, actually playing for a high, head high like you'd have to be moving your head down I mean that's a really dangerous silly play to try and get your head hit so although I think when yeah. they do play for one on the ground when they've been hit I think a lot of the time they lay down I give the bunker an opportunity to check but yeah. But other than that, I don't think they're actually looking for a head high. No, it's true. That was actually the first of Jimmy and Cam Murray's um, interactions. It wasn't the last. <laughs> they had a, a bit of a running battle, which I really enjoyed. Um, you know, my favourite Tigers player, my favourite South player. That's right. Um, and I noticed Jimmy, the the wily old veteran in the scrums, was constantly holding on to Cam Murray I saw and that too. Him around. And yeah. Cam was hating it. Yeah. And I was just thinking, that's such a veteran move. Just get under the skin of this, you know, usually cool, calm, collected, and um, you know, genuine superstar of the game, and just play some dirty, <laughs> dirty footy. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, but you know what I liked about it as well, though, is that I mean, from a Tigers perspective, James is holding Cameron in there because so often that that. That second rower and and prop break early because they're trying to you know cover that the cover the defensive line, and James was just holding him in there until he heard the referee say break, and then and then he would break. So he was just doing the referee a favor, making sure that the scrum stuck in. But there was, I saw that twice. There was a bit of a blow up in there where he's, he's holding him in and, and really putting his head in there as well to make sure that Cameron knew there wasn't enough space for him in that scrum, and it was good. It was uh, that was Wiley. I agree. Really, really threw him off, and and um, he still had a great game. But I just reckon that's because your boy listens to the podcast and has heard you wax lyrical about how pretty the man's face is and he wanted to make sure it wasn't as pretty after the game. Yeah, a little bit of jealousy <laughs> seeping through. <laughs> uh, now, uh, that's it, because let's talk now about the Tigers. First of all, at D underscore 90, he's a Broncos fan, and he's tweeted, Jackson Hastings bossed that field goal set A. You can see him directing traffic every single play and was great. Uh, for him to defer on the last tackle to Brooks, who did set up and nail it. But fuck me, what a difference Hastings has made to this lot. And at Sid Punt said, 
I wouldn't have hated, uh, sorry, I wouldn't ha even have been mad if we'd lost that game. We had a dig, great effort. Jacko was great, as always, uh, and always mentions Madge, thinking um, uh, things are looking up, he said. And then he did end a PS. I would have been really pissed off if we did lose. So I feel the same way. The whole game, I was just like, this is now three halves in a row of great football that we've played. And then at the end of it, I was like, there's four halves. Even if we don't lose, sorry, if we do lose, that's four halves of football we've played. Really, really great. Jackson Hastings has been in everything. He does seem to be directing traffic really, really well. And there was a time when Luke had set up on the right-hand side and it went left and you saw Luke put his hands up. And and um, I was just like, it's Jacko's team, buddy. You can't, if Jacko ever calls this, it doesn't matter anymore. Like you're, you're not the guy who always gets it when he calls it. So I didn't notice he always mentioned Madge, but I do like that he always mentions Madge, that he's a great coach and that he's one of the best he's ever been under and, and things like that. Because, and he always gives Brooks a big rap as well in the, um, in the thing. So he's very conscious of the media and how it affects people or whatever. And so he's just like, Brooks and Madge are excellent. Everyone needs to shut up. These, these, these are great guys. While, I, while the limelight's on me, I'm going to try and make sure it reflects off from the guys who need to have some limelight. How are you seeing Jackson overall at the moment? Oh, I think I listened to um, an interview with Jackson uh, with the Guru, the Rugby League Guru. So yeah. another great podcast in the space. Um, and it came because, you know, I was one of those people who had, who knew nothing about Jackson except what I saw on the free field and hated him um, when he played for the Roosters and for Manly. Um, but I just, when I listened to that interview, I, I just thought he's the most mature sounding footballer I think I've ever heard, <laughs> you know, and he's for someone who's still 24 or something. Yeah. Yeah. 25, 26. I'm not too sure, but um, he's, he's young and he's had a pretty rough introduction to the NRL a um, lot of hate from media and other players and then almost got chased out of Australia. He yeah. had to go ply his trade overseas. And I think it's just made him grow up really quickly. And I think there was something, I'm going to paraphrase this, but there was something from that interview where he said, look, I can't wait to get into the building at the Tigers. I want to grab Luke Brooks and give him a hug and say, you know, I'm here to help you now. Like, you're going to help me you know, I'm going to help you. We're going to do anything that we can do to, to get this team winning again. And I just thought like, that's for someone who's coming in and there was a lot of talk about like, oh, who's going to wear the seven competition for spots and stuff. I just thought that attitude was um, really noteworthy. Um, and I think you really, you see it when he talks to the media and, and I sort of feel like he must be that, he must be that guy and it's having a really positive effect on the team around him. They want to listen to him. They want to throw him the ball when he calls for it. And it seems to be working. And I think Brooks not having to think as much um, allows him to just play off instinct, um, use his speed, his footwork, uh, which is sort of what he was known for when he first started coming through. And I think it looks like Jackson just understands the game a little bit better um, than Brooksy. And he knows how to get to the positions they need to be. And then, that last little bit of deception was like Hastings take taking a couple of field goal attempts. And then, you know, when they're in probably the best position, uh, it went to Brooks. And I thought, you know, well earned, a well earned victory. Yep. While we're at him, let's talk about my boy Brooks. He at Bryson, uh, Bryson's rub. Bryson's rub? Yeah. Let's fucking go. Fuck yeah, Brooksy. At Westlife Pod tweeted, everyone to the island. We are on for a motherfucking party. 
at Tigpie. Is anyone else still on Luke Brooks Island? <laughs> at Carl's Carla. Wow, Brooksy, tears. You bloody beauty. I love you boys. At West Tigers, back-to-back baby. At the Bounce of the Ball tweeted, Luke Brooks delivers. And at Campo37 tweeted, a Luke Brooks for life chant. Just started up in the pub I'm in. I swear to God, Luke Brooks for life. (laughs) I love it so much. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I would have loved that so much. I said that there's a guy who who does uh, the Westlife podcast, B8. He and I love talking about being on Luke Brooks Island. I even did a shirt for his podcast uh, of for Luke Brooks Island. It's a drawing of Luke Brooks and in the background of an island and he's smiling. Um, it's great. And I was so, going to ask about that. What's the island? Am I missing Luke, something? Is this Luke a- Brooks Island. Well, I thought it was V8 takes credit for it. He reckons he invented it and I'm happy to I'm happy to accept that. I thought I once heard it through Matty Baum, long-term post uh, podcast legend of this uh, show. His brother, uh, um, what's his nickname? Backyard Burgess is one of them. He is one of the Burgess boys anyway. And he um, he used to talk about being on Gagai Island. And so I just thought it was a phrase that I didn't really know, but it was like when you love someone so much, you just like stand on that little island and everyone around you like hates that, but you're on that island by yourself. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm on Luke Brooks Island. If it's a, if it's a, a phrase that means not everyone loves him, but you love him, then this is my island. Um, and so so I heard it from from him, but, but VA reckons... He made it up. I'm happy to accept that. And so that's just a phrase that is now part of the West Tiger fan lexicon that you're Luke Brooks Island. And there's nothing else. I've never heard anyone else say it other than um, one of the Burgess boys and about Gagai Island and about Luke Brooks Island. And I love it. It seems to now just be making this microcosm language about Luke <coughs> around that island. He, um, he had a pretty terrible first half. was good in the second half. That drop goal was just magical to see him do it. But... Um, the Tigers overall, or Brooksy, what, what, what do you want to quickly nail about that? Uh, look, I think, you know, you're right. His first half wasn't the best, but it doesn't matter when you win the game. I think, yep. you know, that last minute, um, he's still, I feel like he still wants to be the the guy with the ball in his hands when the game's on the line. He doesn't go missing. That's um, true. Which says a lot about his character uh, and his attitude. So, look, I think... Brooksy and, and Jack are just going to get better and better. And I can see the uh, Tigers making a charge for the eight. And the narrative the narrative continues. How do you see, though, Adam Dwayne coming back in? This is the biggest problem. Does he kick Luke Brooks out? He can't. Maybe Luke goes to a hooker. Like, it's a, it, that's a real problem. If, I mean, in the walls of the Tigers, if they think that Luke Brooks can play hooker for 80 minutes, then you could probably do that and put Dewey to 5'8". But I thought Dewey still had... A fair impact on games from center last year. I agree. Year. I agree. Um, so I, I don't mind that at all. And you've seen, particularly in this state of origins, you know, obviously with guns like Trell and, and Turbo, you can change a game from center mm. and you're not stuck on that left or that right side. You can roam. Uh, there's so much sort of fluidity and flexibility with team structures these days um, and a lot of creativity with how you sort of move people around the field, depending on what part of the field you're in, whether you're attacking or defending. Um, so I definitely don't see Dewey at centre as too much of a loss. If if Brooks is still killing it at 5'8 and Jacko is at, at 7 um, and you've got Simkin playing hooker, because yeah. I think I would still prefer Simkin over Little, yeah. um, then, yeah, I'll, I'll just slot him into centre and just use him as a point of difference out there because he's a big body, makes good decisions. 
Yeah. Um, he can suck in defenders. He's got that the ball skills as well. If he, you know, going to get that last pass out. Yeah. Um, Short kicking. Things, look, things are looking up. And we've also got Luke Gardner, who's the current second rower, playing in the centres at the moment. So it's not like we have gun centres that we can't move either. If you know the, the centres, and even I mean Ken Marmalo's surely only there because he's lucky to be there. So I mean everyone outside and off of that whole centre wing things an absolute shamaz at the moment. Dan Laurie's also got injured, so it'll be just interested to see. Interesting to see what happens next with that whole thing. Score is not. Uh, oh, 23-22. I was just yeah. going to say that's the best game I've seen off have in a while in terms of, of moments. Like he, yeah. There are a couple of huge plays by him. Um, yeah. like he got a steal. I oh, mean, one man, or that, two steals. But that's well, he steals. definitely got one of the ones that I think the one that you and I were thinking about was so pivotal. It was a kick chase. You guys looked like we were under a huge amount of pressure. Nothing was doing. Finally, momentum was going back your way. He puts on a huge kick pressure and then pulls the ball out. Oh, you should have heard me. It was almost as loud <laughs> as when, when Dane Laurie smashed Gutho last week. This was that moment in this game where David just pulled something out just to make sure we were still in this game. It was hectic. I couldn't believe it. And I was just waiting for the penalty. But then you see the Ziggy running past going, play on, play on. Oh, so good. Yeah, he's. I think he had a couple of moments that were pivotal in this game. And, you know, um, I guess it's, it's just rewards for... A, a guy who's just a tiger through and through yep. um, and has been doing that for years and years and years and not getting too much recognition. Um, I, I definitely think he was one of the tiger's best. Uh, on, so on ground. 18 runs, 140 metres, 24, sorry, 38 post-contact metres, two line breaks, two tries, uh, six tackle breaks. Oof, average play the ball speed of three seconds. Yeah, he had a really good game. Love him. He was flying. So didn't get any... Um, H didn't get any hyper end points though. Um, really? Tiger, yeah. So he um, the margin is only one point zero. Oh, there we go. So the multiplier was one point zero two. So you actually don't get too many points compared to say the the Penrith game that happened. They got heaps of points. Um, mm. And the and the game importance was zero point nine four. So you also didn't get much for that. Um, so Jackson Hastings got three point one two points. Jacob Little got two point zero eight. And Luke Brooks stole 1.04. Now, I can tell you in the chat after this, the guy who did this one, I think it was JD, copped a bit of heat because everyone was saying, dude, did you watch the game? Or are you just seeing that Luke Brooks hit a highlight and, and you're giving him points? He's like, no, no, no. I really liked him. I saw it. He made some errors in the first half, but his defense was excellent. And it was just another time where someone's watching the exact same game and had excellent reasons why Luke should get it, but just sees the game different to you. His players, obviously, he had um, Campbell Murray, as the 2.77 points for South. Cody Walker got 1.85. And Campbell Graham, who is arguably like the centres. You said, them, I think, three weeks ago that we're in a time of like gun centres. I'm not sure we said Campbell Graham in that list that we're rattling off. But he is an absolute weapon nonstop. Every play. Yeah, safe as houses as well. He's, um, mate, he'll be a smoky. He'll definitely be in the blues. Uh, in the squad, Camp. I reckon. And, mm, you're right. Um, yeah, I think, I think he's been our him and Cam Murray have been our most consistent, best performers week in week out for South for sure. And I've never told you this one, but I actually think Cam Murray should be Campbell Murray. That sounds better. I said this maybe four years ago. I know I'm sure I've ever said it out loud to you, but Campbell Murray sounds. Well, I don't know. To me, that sounds like something that I, I would want on like my. Cereal box. 
Sultana Brand's eaten by Campbell Murray. I, I don't know. It just feels even more powerful or regal or something like that. Could he be? I Let's don't start know. Start a petition. <laughs> Ask his parents. At at Bunny Brethren, she said, Congratulations, Tigers fans. You beat us fair and square. Fantastic game and well deserved win. At Jason NRL tweeted, Big call. I enjoy watching rugby league. And here's another thing that really changed from like three weeks ago when I was trying to get through that Titans game and everyone was upset with me because the Tigers and Titans weren't very good teams or entertaining football. Now we're finally getting people watching my games going, hey, rugby league's great. At Budsy888, <laughs> I love this fucking team, even when I hate them. Uh, at man underscore with underscore a underscore Mike tweeted, somewhere an Aussie named at the biggest Tiger is right, losing his mind, and now he's going to buy a lotto ticket and rightfully so. He's an American bloke who uh, happens to listen and is a really nice guy. Um, and has put that in. At the Bounce of the Ball podcast, rated two in a row, top eight teams both weeks. We are back, motherfuckers. And then uh, my brother-in-law, the, the wonderful plumber who I told you about the other day, who's my wife's brother's wife's brother, um, got on the text message again, never messaged me unless the Tigers win, who tweeted, sorry, who texted, two in the trot, ninth is looking good right now. And you know that we are back when the ninth jokes are back. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> culture Club versus the Clap. Now, uh, the Culture Club, because of that cute band and then uh, because also their culture is a bit weird, people are talking about the culture of their club. And then the Clap, obviously, because um, of that, that big Viking Clap, but also because I'm told that you can get the Clap in Canberra. Um, let's talk about Penrith. <laughs> Some people can't hear you laughing. They can just hear the, the slight whisperings of your whistles, but I can see you. Sound like I'm struggling to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> At Sea Eagles first, tweeted, teams can go with Penrith for about 50 to 60 minutes. That's it. And I think he's just yeah. summed up the entire first seven rounds of Pen, Penrith football. That's it. It's just, I was looking at them and I was saying, you know, when Gus went there and, you know, created all these new development pathways and this, you know, center for excellence and stuff out there. I was just wondering what they're what they're pumping them with because it seems like they have five people in every tackle, and they have every like every single person is like in the same line on kick chase. Yeah, they're always pressing up in defence. Like they're always almost offside, like getting off the ten. They're like just fit machines, mm. um, and I don't know why no other team in the comp can match it with them. Like, why is there no one else who's got that same, you know, motor ticker across, you know, one to 17? I'd uh, have the exact same thoughts every time I watch them. How can your kick chase be this good? How can your line speed on tackle two, tackle three be this harsh? And how come no one else is doing it? How is this only you guys? Yeah. It's, is it, is it belief? Is it, that does like just the love for each other. Have they really just built a culture that's superior to every other team? Yeah. I mean, um, and it's dragging them all along. That's sort of the rising tide sort of thing. And you think maybe there are a lot of penalties then right, riding that close to the, to the edge of whatever, but they had four penalties conceded to, to the Canberra's 11 and then one ruck infringement to Canberra's two. So even in that thing, they beat them five to 13. Like it's just crazy. Even, even working that hard. Yeah, it's they're they're a very special team. Um, I can definitely see them going back to back this year because um, I've seen weakness from every other team. You know, obviously, Para. You've seen Melbourne. Um, you know, struggle against some teams and you know come away with the win. But you know, they've it's 
against the Tigers in that first round, they definitely didn't look convincing. And there've been there've been times when they've been pulled apart. But Penrith just sort of they don't mind if you score a try or two because you're not going to be able to keep doing yeah. that. Yeah. You know, like and the Raiders, I thought, played really well in that first half. But they just faded and faded badly and it turned into a uh, a shellacking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Canberra probably played well for about 15 minutes and then that was that was about it. And we should talk about the Raiders. So at, Jay, at Jack K. Cronin, he tweeted, effort was good today, but effort should be the bare minimum. Reality is that we're 15th after seven rounds of dumb football side that can't make metres or play with any kind of direction for more than 30 minutes. Genuinely not sure how they get out of this hole. At the Green Machine pod, I don't know why so many... Oh, no, sorry, that's something I was going to do in a sec. So that was... That's J.K. Cronin, who's also just perfectly tweeted and summarised the Raiders. They're playing well for 30 minutes, and then when something happens, he doesn't know what. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're lacking that voice in the spine. Jack Whiten's a gun, but he's definitely not someone I'd want to have to think about a game of football. I feel like mm. he plays best when he doesn't think, when he just works hard and plays what's in front of him. Um, losing Jamal Fogarty for the first half of this season has hurt them a lot because that was sort of his, you know, the, the reason they brought him down there is because he understands footy. He's been playing Queensland Cup for, you know, however many years and yeah. he's finally made his way into first grade as a as a bit of a veteran, understands, sees everything or has seen everything in the game. And I think that that's exactly what they're missing, um, which is a shame. But then, I mean, on the other side of that, you still want to be able to stay closer to teams and not give up 24-point leads like they have been doing. That's that's not a Jamal Fogarty issue. That's a Raiders issue. Mm. And and I rate Jamal Fogarty. I'm with you. Um, here's, here's the only other thing I want to talk about um, is the Raiders clap and the, and the Panthers fans doing it. Did you see that during the game? I did. Yeah. Um, okay. And, I mean, it speaks to a bit of... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you... Whoa, 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 whoa. Because I want you to launch in just a sec. Let me just <laughs> let me just get you there. Our Green Machine Twitter pod tweeted, I don't know why so many Raiders fans get upset when other fans do the Viking clap. They're doing it because it's fun. It's great fan engagement. And few of the clubs have anything decent. At PH, sorry, PWH35491, uh, Rob tweeted, you are kidding. They're dead up taking the piss and mocking us. Green Machine Pod tweeted back going, they're winning. They're entitled to do it. And at P underscore Glow, Phoebe Raiders fan, she tweeted, no, they aren't entitled to do it. It's arrogant, confrontational, and childish. And you won't convince me otherwise. So it's two excellent sides of this debate being framed by the Canberra Raiders fan base, which I just love the most. Because there's one side <laughs> that's saying it's, it's fun and silly and it's a part of the rugby league. You play the Raiders, like the Raiders are going to do it to you when they're winning. So if you, you know, you're beating the, the Raiders committee, you can do it back. The other side is then people saying, this is, we're hating the Panthers. The Panthers are constantly doing this kind of shit on the field. Now the fans are doing it off the field. It's arrogant. It's annoying. Be more, be more whatever. Where, where's your mind at? What are you thinking about the whole thing? Well, that's the, that mirror of the, the attitude on the field is something that we've touched on before with uh, Stephen Crichton, who, surprise, surprise, ended up in a dust-up at the end of the game <laughs> um, with, the, with the Raiders. I, I think it's – I don't mind other teams doing it. Um, I mean, in certain sort of situations, when you're slapping a team <laughs> – like by 30 odd points, I think it's pretty brutal. But if you win a close game and you want to 
bust it out right at the end and really rub it in, maybe that's all right. I think um, P underscore Glow, Phoebe, the Raiders fan, I think that key word is confrontational. It's probably not a great idea in terms of what happens in the crowd, um, you know, particularly, you know, a game where you want kids to, you know, come feel safe. I feel like that definitely could have sparked up a couple of blues um, out at Oak Stadium or whatever, whatever the Penrith <laughs> Stadium is. Um, I've been out there for a few games and uh, the crowd is uh, quite rare. Um, you know, they get behind their team really hard, uh, which I love. But, uh, yeah, you can definitely see that causing some troubles. Um, but, I mean, it's – yeah, Canberra's the only team you can do that with. What else is there for any other team that you can sort of just take on? Their, their thing, yeah. And you are our resident dust-up expert, so you'd know what would flare up um, something else. And I also love that you um, that you called the Penrith fans rare because that would be another way of also saying that they're cooked because um, they're <laughs> not <nice> and rare. <laughs> <coughs> and I love my Penrith community. You should also listen. If you want to get a slice of what it's like to be a Penrith fan, Sports Best Friends has a, has a Penrith podcast and it is just happy, happy, joy, joy. You've never listened to two people more happy with their life and their life choices than those two people because... They're both young enough to have seen the 2003 one. Obviously, they just saw their last premiership, but they've also seen a lot of heartache. And so they're just so thoroughly enjoying the fact that like they're 7 and 0 and don't even look like being touched. Like They're thoroughly enjoying it. They're, I'm sure they're the kind of people who'd put a clap up if they were at the ground. At Mick the Perm, though, <clears throat> he said, fans taking the piss out of the Viking clap. Fucking love it. Fucking tradition stealing fraudulent green cunt bags. So we referred to Raiders people. So at Mick, <laughs> at Mick the Perm, if you want to go and chat to him, he's a uh, he's an excellent bloke, and uh, yeah, he's he's throwing it all out there. Score, uh, thirty six to six. Now, Could have been a lot more. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Um, one thing that I'd never noticed until this game, because the commentary told me, was how much the backs in this game in the Penrith side take runs. There was at least Work. two. Oh. You know, there's at least two sets, and there's probably more. It's only when I started actually watching, where where no one else touched the ball except for the back five. They took every hit up. Then it was a fifth tackle. Clearly put up a huge kick, and then the def- and then the forwards worked so hard in defence, and they just had that like flip flop of things. And eventually there was a loose ball, and then one of the backs scored. And I was like, bloody hell, this is this looks so easy and obvious yeah. now. Half the team attacks and half the team defends. No wonder everyone's looking great. Yeah, that's um, it's something that Bennett used to do back in the day at the Broncos when they had Lottie and um, Dell. I used to notice that they'd have whole sets where they'd go through and you'd go winger, center, winger, center, uh, and get to your last, get to your last, and and your forwards that had a breather, and then they just really fucking rip in in defense. Um, you know, they'd chase hard and and really put a hurting on you in, um, in that you know first defensive set. And I wonder why more teams don't do it. But then I looked at South's back, South's back three, and it's like Mansour, who's tiny, um, Blake Taff, who's tiny, and Alex Johnson, who's tiny. I guess mm. not every team can sort of uh, or has the players who can do that. Uh, yeah. Whereas Isaac Tago was, you know, came up through the ranks playing second row. His, his skill level, when he... It didn't turn into anything, but he was in the middle of being tackled by like three people. He went to flick a ball and this ball was like resting on two fingertips. It's yeah. almost out of his hands. And he sees that Jerome Lewis covered 
and he pulls it back in and takes the tackle. And I think just that, yeah, that the level of skill and split second decision making on a guy who came up playing second row has now been playing centers and is probably one of the most consistent centers in the game. Um, you know, from a small sample size, obviously. Um, you know, you just see, and there's just young players like him coming through, Taylor May doing the same sort of stuff, just solid as, and they're all young and they all want to work for each other. And that's why they're happy to do those sets. Uh, it's a very impressive team. Charlie Staines is, is probably one that doesn't fit that mold. He is kind of the Alex Johnson vibe. Still had 10 mm. runs, <clears throat> still had 73 metres uh, and still had 18 con- post-contact metres. Now, they're not great numbers, but that's their worst. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Isaac Tago has got 12 runs, 30 contact post-contact metres. Stephen Crichton's an absolute weapon, 111, 31. Tyron May, Tylan May, who's just like having the time of his life at the moment, 14 runs, 140 metres, 26 kick return metres, and 44 post-contact metres for a fucking winger. Like, and, and out of like one of five that was just dealing, destroying it. And Dylan Edwards, 26 all-run metres, more than anyone else in the game. 260 um, run metres, 129 of those were kick returns, and 53 post-contact metres. Like, 50 fucking three. He out-post-contact yeah. metered all of their forwards, except for Dylan Martin, um, who had 57. Like, it's just, he's beating James Fisher-Harris. You know what I mean? Like, it's just an incredible Insane. performance from him. And and I only bring that up because when I, was, I had to do the hyper-Ms for this, and, and I was constantly trying to work out where I could fit all of these players. I only had three to choose from. And the back line, plus some of the forwards were just stealing. And I almost wanted to give some of Canberra's points to fucking Penrith because by the time of the second half was rolling in, no one in Canberra deserved it. I ended up giving three points to Starling, two to Whiten, and one to Josh Papali. Starling just because he was working so hard, even though they looked like shit. Whiten, he, I mean, he was also in everything. I didn't, I mean, he just kicks the ball so hard on fifth tackle that. It just, just chases his ass off. Oh, man. Well, so, I mean, he's got effort there, but, I mean, I just <clears> – <throat> and Papali also, like, had zero errors and zero missed tackles. And so I was like, okay, he's also putting in – had a 1,000 tackles. I think he actually had the most amount of tackles for his team. So, with a oh, – no, he had the most amount of run meters with 106. And I just want to remind you that Dylan Edwards had 260. So, I mean, it's just fucking outrageous. Anyway, Tyron May was the one that I had – Tylan May, sorry, was the end of the guy I ended up giving three points to. Nathan Cleary, I didn't want to give any points to. I started just telling myself – no points for Cleary and Lulawai. Like, just try and steer clear off those players and try not to do yo either. My head was like, they got to, They can't just be above what's normal. They need to be above what their normal is. And still, by the end of mm. it, I was like, fucking hell, Nathan Cleary's having an absolute game. Um, and Dylan Edwards, I just also had to give one point to. But I ended up saying super close was, um, is it Jerome Salmon? Jamin yeah, Salmon. Fuck, that guy off the bench. He was in everything. He was amazing. Yeah, it's um. Wait, is who was that? The hooker who came on for? Uh, he was like the. 50, I don't know if he came on as hooker. Maybe he was, but I think it was the second they, row or something like that. He was like fourteen yeah, that or seventeen. Make more sense. Yeah, and he was just so keen. And he, I, th- I remember he put on two tackles. Both of them caused an error, and he was just up getting the boys going like that. And and they're in the second half up by twenty, and he was still just firing everyone up, getting everyone going. Energy, so good. Yeah, yeah, that's massive. I actually had a note written. While I was watching this game, it was just a question: Is Isaiah Yo the best player in the game? Yeah, like what he yeah. does, like the way it unlocks. I think if you're going to pick one player to play one to thirteen, so thirteen Isaiah Yo's or thirteen Latrells or thirteen Turbos, I think I'd take thirteen Isaiah Yo's. No, 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 no. You've been, who's 13, unlocking? 
He's looking, unlocking himself. No, 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 no. You, 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 I loved everything. I loved everything about it until Isaiah is passing to Isaiah to try and get Isaiah over. It's not working. I mean, he could, he's got a lot of, he could do us some excellent, like, uh, knockover balls, like those short passes, crash balls. That's the one. But a kick return or like, nah, come on, man. You haven't thought this through. Like no, I haven't. But I just, I just <laughs> Latrell, I'm thirteen Latrells is exactly what you want. If you could put thirteen Latrells yeah. everywhere, imagine it'd yeah. be unreal. He's he's but he's passes from dummy half just off the floor in fucking thirty meters. Like you yeah, want trail everywhere. Really good point to another trail. I love <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, definitely hadn't thought that one through. And, and I love him. I love Isaiah. Yeah. What I'd love to really see is thirteen Isaiah years versus thirteen Campbell Murrays because then we're Ooh. getting everything. <laughs> Then we can. It's it's good looking. It's everyone's unlocking someone else. Like who yeah. who's the lock when everyone's unlocked? Like it's just so good. That's the question. Uh, he um, had nineteen runs in this game. The bloke always passes. How did he end up with nineteen yeah. runs? Like he's he's an absolute machine. That bloke. Yeah, you gotta love him. Did yeah. you see the um that massive hit by Corey Horsburgh? Just the flying red nut came out and bloody gave Scott Sorensen an exorcism. Yeah, yeah. In the, it was in the first half. Yeah, right before halftime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the biggest hit I've seen this year. I was loving it. And also, you know Scott Sorison's just all bricks. Brick on brick. <laughs> so to throw yeah. yourself at a wall, good on him. It's. I saw the, the stat at the end of the game that in the entire second half, Penrith had been tackled 53 times in Canberra's half and Canberra had been tackled zero times in Penrith's <laughs> half, which is insane. Oh, no, I've never I'm seen not... that before in my life. It's yeah, like the I'm saddest stat if you're a Canberra fan. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. You didn't cross the halfway line. Oofed. <laughs> I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Hi, I'm Ali. And I'm Lulu. And this is Lulu and Ali's 40 Tipping. And what round is it, Lulu, this Round week? eight. Round eight, correct. Didn't have to finish a sentence and I got it. I know. Boom, shakalaka. Okay. So what, um, it's Broncos and Sharks this week? Yes. This first one? Which one? It's actually a pretty tight one at thinking of it. No, because Broncos have been, it's a... Um, I think Sharks. Yeah, I think Sharks too. Mm-hmm. I think Sharks. Titans or Panthers? Panthers. I agree with that. Because they're first and they've won all their rounds so far. After the upset last week, after the upset last week for Sea Eagles, I'm going Rabbitohs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, I never called it out. It's Rabbitohs and Sea Eagles, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, which one do you say, Lulu? Uh, Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs. They think Sea Eagles will win. Oh, why? Because they're six. Because they've and from, lost? Yeah. They're six, and from the head to head, they're. 51 okay. Yeah. That's a tough one. Mm. Oh. I'm going to go Sea Eagles. Yeah, okay. Um, Warriors and Raiders? Raiders. Yes, okay. Raiders. Okay, I no. think Warriors. No, because... Mm. Do you want to check? The, this is the game info? Oh, yeah, Warriors. Warriors. 100%. Bulldogs and Roosters? Roosters. Yeah, thanks. Uh, sea Eagles... 
see, oh, sorry, I always get this one confused. Me, uh, Parramatta Eels or Cowboys? Uh, Parramatta. Parramatta. Just checking. Oh, it's a 50-50 for the head-to-head. Oh. Yeah, but most people think it's para. Yeah. Um, Knights and Storms? Storms. Storms. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, Dragons and Tigers. 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 But the problem with that is it's such a tight game because um, the round seven, Roosters and um, Dragons, yes, that true. was so tight. But that then was. Roosters yeah. lost, and I tipped for them, and I was so sad for that. But what really do you think the margin game. is? Because Tigers have been really good at doing this, so I'm going to think Touchwood. three. Three. I hope they win. Touchwood. Touchwood. Mm-hmm. Touchwood. I think it's margin three. What do you think? I think... I think it's one, because remember every last time in the, in the last... Very night. true, very true. Okay, well, that concludes Lulu and Ali's tipping. Yeah. And we'll see you in round nine. nine. Yes. Yeah. Okay, bye. See ya. See ya. Now, my nephews have just tipped. They're doing an absolute uh, excellent job. Um, just want to... They, they obviously tipped the Roosters on that game that the Dragons won, which was, which was crazy. But other than that, they're both looking like they were going to get full runs. Have you, like they were shooting the moon, who, who's your lock this week? Um, after what the Knights dished up this week, uh, mm. and uh, I haven't actually, well, obviously the Storm and um, Warriors game's probably just coming to an end, but I haven't been watching it. It's 70. Uh, they put 70 points on the Warriors. You're lying. You liar. I, I, you know, you, I sort of believe you. It's 70, Holy it's shit. 70 I, to 4 or 70 to 10. Yeah, they fucking destroyed them. And it was close. It was 12, 10 and a half time or something like that. Holy shit. I've never That's seen 70 points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go the storm over the night. So. <laughs> Jesus. That's scary. Fuck, mate. They almost outdid the clock. You almost wouldn't put money on the clock over Melbourne. Like they're the, they're the only ones who can beat them. 80, 80 minutes to seventy. Oh, that's a good time. That's a good time. Yeah, those poor fucking warriors. Um, who are you tipping? Look, that's a that's a good one, Melbourne. But I also really like I also really like Panthers and Titans because I think the Titans are also super rudderless, and it's not this week that they find out how to get there. You know what I mean? I think they're still going to have yeah. another capitulation week. They might be able to do it against the Roosters the week after, or. They, they play the Dragons in a couple of weeks after that. So I think that's probably their best chance. Now they're just going to lay down and, and keep copying it. I think they're just going to absolutely cop it against the Panthers. All right. Well, we'll see out of, uh, out of our two picks, what's Who the biggest uh, points differential <laughs> <laughs> next the, week? The biggest problem that we both have is that your game is very winnable, but could be close. And my game mm. for the first time this year is also winnable. Uh, and I'm terrified of why because we play the Dragons. So, and they've uh, just had a good win. Yeah, and they've had well, they've had two beliefy wins, and now we've had two beliefy wins. So it's the last game of the round, and make me shit myself. It'll also mean that our <laughs> our um, podcast won't be able to be done till later that night because we've got to watch that game. <laughs> now we'll do some wowments, some things that were amazing this week. Obviously, fucking Melbourne, Melbourne's seventy points was one wowment. Uh, I just want to also oh, I put this in the wrong spot. Our tipping table, where are you at? You've dropped down to oh no, you're still at six. Pastor La Vista is at six, and I've jumped up to eighth. Uh, so that's excellent. Uh, anything that's jumped out to you this week? Any any great bits? 
Um, I, I just I gave the Dragons no hope in hell of beating the Roosters on Anzac Day, um, and just the guts uh, from the whole team. But Ben Hunt, he's fast becoming one of my favourite players in the oh. comp. Um, he's just all heart, effort, skill, and uh, like you said, I reckon he would be uh, the best fourteen in the game if you put that number on his back. He he should be the Australian fourteen uh, if he's not the hooker. Yeah. Well, my my whammy this week was um, Talaki in the first half of that Sharks Manly game. Fucking mm. hell, that centre is just was beast mode. Yeah. Like if you've ever wanted a centre to just do everything. Everything he did was excellent. And, and to the point where it was comical, the, the commentators were just like, the ball would go, nothing's doing in that set. And they were like, just throw it out to the left. And then he'd, he'd create something out of nothing. He'd just knock over um, the guy with the crazy hair, Morgan Harper. Morgan Harper. Just giving the poor, birth, the poor bloke a bath all night. And there were all these weird highlights afterwards where he'd get smashed and then DCE looked like he'd go to tackle him and then like do these kind of hands away and just trying to chase him <laughs> from behind because he didn't want to get the hat, the hand in the palm and the palm in the face. It was, he was yeah. just gold. And then even when he'd kind of done everything, he was like, okay, let's try some tri-assists and then put a kick in field, put a little flip pass on. Just, he was doing it all. Yeah. Talakai's a beast. Um, he's. What did I call yeah. him? Talaki, uh, yeah. Possibly. Sorry. He's. Sorry. um. Yeah, I don't know whether you'd you'd rather have him center or second row. I don't think it really matters for someone like him who's got those skills and that physicality. Um, tough night to be Morgan Harper. He would have been having nightmares of uh, Talakai running at him. That's probably the best half of footy I've seen from a player easily this year. Since, and the Cam, only... since Cam Munster last week. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, really good point. Or like Turbo's whole half season last year. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he uh, he had something before the game. Might have had a few little glucose tablets or something. <laughs> yeah. I think he's still better in centre just because he gets more open space. Um, and then yeah. him with Ronaldo Molotalo, they're, they're a dynamic duo at the moment. The only other whammon I've got is from the New South Wales Women's Premiership, the Harvey Norman's New South Wales Women's Premiership, where the West Tigers women also beat the Rabbits 16-10 to 10 before the uh, NRLM game. So that was... A really nice double dose um, for me this weekend. I'm glad you got your double dose. <laughs> now, now I realise I lost twice and I didn't even know it. So that's great. Cheers. You're, you're welcome. So I've just had the hyperams come in. As you could tell when we were recording, the Melbourne game had only just finished. Um, so David very quickly got the table together and I can give you the top 10 now. Dylan Edwards is number 10 with 12.23. Jack White, 9. Jason Tamalolo, 8. Adam Fanua, Blake, 7. Ben Hunt, 6 with 13.22. Joey Mann is number 5. Cameron Murray, 15.08. Uh, Talakai threw, flew up with 15.76. Ryan Pappenhausen, 2nd. And Cameron Munster's first hectic times. Hyper M's for live. We wouldn't have got that win without your support. We heard you cheering the whole 60 minutes. And we bloody love yous. We found the end of another app for you listen, legends who listen all the way. Make sure that your whole entire week is like Talakai's, I hope. Uh, and we'll, you should give this podcast a cheeky five stars. Tell your mates. Odin, you have been a pleasure as always. Uh, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's always a good time talking some footy, talking some shit. Enjoy your sport for another week. Get around good people on the socials. And we'll talk to you next time, sports best friends.
Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.